What's up? And welcome to Espresso with Erin and Sarit, the show where you go to gain the confidence and self-empowerment that you need to live your best and most authentic life. Tough love conversations to reveal the simple truths that will transform your relationships, your body, and your bank account. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Sarit. And we are on a mission to transform the lives of millions through the same fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and financial habits that have transformed ours. Good morning, morning, guys, and welcome to our show. Today, we have with us an active community member, a dear friend, and a client who also happens to be the Senior Vice President of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the Human Rights Campaign, which happens to be the largest LGBTQ civil rights organization in the U.S. She's the wife of our dearly beloved community engagement unicorn, Stacey Kay. Together, they're mothers to the sweetest and most energetic girl we've ever seen, Sydney. And being an immigrant and a queer Black woman, Nicole let her life's experiences lead her to her passion of human inclusion and love. And today we'll be taking a deep dive on how to love one another through a better understanding. So Nicole Cozier, welcome to our show. All right. I got, I got my, my, it's not espresso, but it's coffee. What are, what you're drinking with a coconut milk or almond milk? If I remember? With almond milk. Love that. Love that. She's like, coach. Coach, I know. I can't take that off. Like, I can't bring the big mug because Sarit's going to want to know how much is in that. And <laughs> love that. Okay. So, you know, t- today is going to be, uh, I already know that I'm going to love this conversation. And you guys, I'm going to be like very raw and real and transparent. And if I say anything that's ignorant, that's because I'm ignorant. And you know, people are people. And, you know, this is why we always talk about, um, you know, not taking things personally. This is me just wanting to know a little more so that I can understand people better. But of course, my apologies in advance, if I happen to say anything ignorant, and I told Nicole in advance, if I say anything that's in that's ignorant, you know, um, know that it's coming from a good place. And I just don't know what I don't know. So please feel free to call me out. Yeah, you guys, we're here to learn just as much as you guys are on this um, in every episode. So, you know, we will all have forgiveness for one another because we're all here to be better. Okay, so I, I hope that I'm using the right context for this, but I'm using Sarit language. <laughs> so, which is we'll not- translate, we'll translate. <laughs> You've got your best translator right beside you. So t- when did you realize that you were gay? Um. Actually, can I rewind one second and I'm not stalling, but I just want to say, because somebody asked the name of the organization and I just want to flag that even though I I work for the human rights campaign and even though I work for that organization and that really informs where I am coming from with the core content for today, I am really representing myself. I'm not representing the organization in this conversation because it gives me an opportunity to not only bring the knowledge that I have gained and I work with through my day job, but also my personal experience, my experience being part of the ENS community and melding all of those things in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I were just sort of solely in a professional context. So I just want to make sure I get that caveat out there. Um, when did I know I was gay? Well, um, <laughs> it's that's a good question. So I, I remember making out in the closet with my babysitter's daughter. So that was probably a good indication um, that something was going on. It was innocent. It was innocent. It was just a little kissing. Um, But I didn't actually fully have a sense of what that meant, how to process feelings, how to translate like the thing and the life that I was living was not consistent with what I was feeling until after college uh, or in college. And that was a time when I was actually living with two other women who were partnered at the time. Um, And I thought I was like this great straight ally. And then I was like, huh, well, I'm having little crushes and little interests and other things. And then I literally, I actually was getting married um, to my high school boyfriend. um, And I felt like this train had left the station. I was doing this. 
but there was something that just was felt like really in upheaval. Um, and there were all of these other feelings that I didn't know how to process and how to name. And so um, that was really the beginning of my journey and trying to figure out who I was and what that meant for me. Um, and then I, I did get married. I was a young 22 when I got married and I'd been with that boyfriend since I was 18. And it didn't take long into the marriage before realizing like I was having to work way too hard at trying to be this person in this marriage. And I loved the person I was with, but it wasn't feeling authentic. It wasn't feeling aligned. And I felt like I was play acting. Um, and so at a certain point, I just, you know, my partner at the time, like, fortunately, he was very supportive. I identified as bisexual. And we're going to go into all of these terminology, this terminology, because I also want to distinguish what was happening for me in my journey versus how we use language, right? So I chose the term bisexual to help kind of make sense of the fact that I was attracted to women and I was married to this man. And how did I understand those two things to be, to make sense together? And then for me, it turned out that I wasn't bisexual, although I appreciated men. My romantic and sexual attractions really were toward women. And part of that journey was really figuring out that I was living a life that I was told I was supposed to live. And I was reconciling the life that I feel like I was meant to live. And I had to make a decision at that point. And so I um, separated from my husband, spent some time just sitting with myself, figuring out how to come out to myself, my family members, et cetera. Um, and that was at age 26. And I have been out ever since. And I should say I have been coming out ever since because it is a journey. Like we don't come out just once. We come out all the time. Um, but that's been my process. And it has been the most you know, I'm not going to say that it has not been without its own challenges for sure, but that decision to be authentically who I am and live the challenges of who I am, but live it authentically was life-changing um, and so critical. And I, I really wish I had the pathway to have gotten there sooner, but I wouldn't be who I am if I had. So I also try to have a real gratitude and appreciation for when things come. Um, but that's why I have so much, just, I'm in awe of young people who have that sense of who they are so early and, um, and unapologetically, but that wasn't my path, but my path made me who I am. So I have to love it. I love it. Okay. You said, you said something that I absolutely love. You said, we don't just come out once we come out all the time. And I want to take a step back and relate it to the weight loss journey. Let's say somebody works out for the first time. You don't just work out once. However, that very first workout is so crucial because that's what leads to you doing more and more of it. And it's just like coming out, you know, for anybody who is, you know, gay, bisexual, whatever, right? Like, for one, I, I really hope that if you haven't yet come out, that this will inspire you to live your authentic life, um, because otherwise you're taking so much away of the beauty that life has to give you. But, you know, like we all remember the first time, you know, that we we had our first conversation, you know, unless you're straight, then that's just an assumption that you're straight. But like I remember I had a pit in my stomach. Like for the entire day, I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to share it, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's almost like literally like taking a leap of faith and like, you know, falling off the cliff. Um, but, you know, after you do it the first time, it's like, okay, like when you share it with more people and more people, it's like, oh, I don't have that anxious feeling anymore. It just, it is what it is. It's, there's a fear of rejection. You don't know what the response is going to be on, on the other end. And, you know, I think that we all have that. And this is for even, even people, you know, who, who wouldn't identify as, as gay or, you know, you, you do like the opposite sex. You know, this is something like any, any piece of you that you feel is authentic to you, you know, that you share, you put yourself in a vulnerable position because now you're exposed and we have a fear of rejection. And so I think that, you know, I, you, you talked about um, really having admiration for the younger people who, who can like basically self, um, self-discover earlier in life. And I have a lot of respect for those who can handle the rejection and continue to have the courage to share who they really are. Uh, because 
you know, when, when you share and you're not rejected, you have more inspiration and confidence to share again. When you share and you're rejected, that is when it is so difficult to continue because your experience has been poor. And, you know, one of the questions I asked, because when, you know, when I made this discovery of myself and then, you know, other people were learning about it and I was, you know, explaining it and people would told my brother, my older brother, we went to high school together and they were like, I told you, dude, I told you she was gay. Dude, I told you, I told you. And I'm like, why didn't nobody, why didn't anybody tell me? And one of my old friends from high school said something I'll never forget. She goes, it's not anybody else's job to tell you. You have to figure that out for yourself. Yes. And I was like, oh. and that's for anything. That's for any, you know, attribute, any um, characteristic that you feel is truly, genuinely you. You are the only one that can discover that by asking yourself questions and then having the courage to live into it. Yeah, and there's and so much in what you just said, Erin, that I wanna touch on. One, and so it's not gonna necessarily be elegantly in order, but one of the things is um, the process of coming out, like there, I think there are a number of components to it, right? One, we're coming out all the time because we still live in a society that makes assumptions about heterosexism and, um, and cisgender identity, and one, and we'll I'll talk about those terms in a minute. But the idea that we are all straight, and that if we are born women, our path is to be with men, and th that we still have those assumptions. And as progressive as we may be in the way we view the world, those are so ingrained in the back of our heads that when we come into contact with someone, that is an a by an implicit bias, right? Like there are things that we don't even consciously aren't even consciously aware that we're doing. Uh, in the moment. And that is also the same for L many LGBTQ identified folks. Like we can, we can get caught in that too. Although, you know, we also do this process. A lot of folks now, you know, tell me I'm wrong. When you see somebody, we're like, are they family? Come on. Are they, are they, are they right? Like, so we always do that because we want to find each other and we want to see ourselves reflected in the folks that we see. And so there is some sort of quest to, to kind of find people. But there's also a challenge in that, which is that we then get in a position where we're doing other for them instead of letting them define themselves. And so to what your friend said around um, it's not anyone's job, I, I also say that even if you know, it's not your story to tell, right? Because people make decisions about coming out when we come out. When I say we come out all the time, it's not necessarily that pit in the stomach, but you know, there's emotional work that's involved in that because you're, you're dealing with somebody's rejection. You're dealing with their reaction. You're dealing with the questions, right? So even if someone's open, they may be curious. Oh, I can't tell you when I was pregnant with our daughter, I had someone who was very dear, an older woman who's like, but you're a lesbian, right? I was like, uh-huh. And she goes, but you're pregnant. I said, uh-huh. And she said, how does that work? Right? Like the idea. So imagine if you are a straight woman um, and somebody said to you, tell me how, tell me how you got pregnant. Right? So even when people are open, they often, and they can take liberties and ask questions that actually would, they would never think to do with somebody else. And so th there's a lot of emotional work that's involved in that. And sometimes it's not just that you're afraid of a rejection or that you're afraid of rejection. You just may not want to put in the emotional energy to have that conversation, depending on who you're with. And so I would say for anybody who, um, and we also don't want to come out, like we don't want it to be an event, right? Like we just want to be, we just want to live. We want to talk about our spouses. We want to talk about our kids. If we have kids, we want to talk about our experiences and where we hang out and what we watch without having to go, okay. Let me preface my weekend plans by telling you I'm a lesbian. And so everything that follows, right? So we just want to talk and live in the same way that everybody else does. So there's a lot wrapped up in coming out. And, and so often we, you know, folks are trying to change that terminology to say that we're inviting in because just because you don't know what someone's sexual orientation or gender identity is. It doesn't mean that they're in the closet, right? It doesn't mean they're hiding. It just means that's a piece of information about them that you don't know. Like for the, for example, you don't know that I was a softball umpire in, you know, junior high. Now I am the least sportsy person, you know, so that would be the farthest thing that you would imagine, but I was not in the closet about that. That just did not pan out 
in terms of a career pathway or believability that that was a big part of who I am. So I just think that we have to, we have to put some of these things in perspective sometimes um, when we talk about them. Uh, and it's nobody's, one, it's nobody's business. Like it's, no, you, you aren't, it's, nobody should feel obligated to share aspects of themselves that they're not ready to share for whatever reason. And when somebody does share that, it's really important to honor that. And to like, you may have a ton of questions, you may have, but just kind of like pump the brakes. I mean, like, is this appropriate? One, for this moment, is this appropriate for the relationship we have? Because if we're close, we can ask all sorts of questions of each other. If you just met somebody, you got to really start thinking about <laughs> what's appropriate to ask and not ask. Um, and also, before we go any further, because I use terminology, I just want to name a few things so that we're clear on, on the terminology. So one of the things that I said was gender identity. And I just want to flag before we go too far into anything else is talking about terminology that, that is used in a lot of different ways, sometimes correctly, sometimes incorrectly. Um, but, you know, one, we talk about sex and gender as if they are the same thing. And sex and gender are two different things. Sex is a biological construct and it's based on attributes that are physical. They may be hormonal, they may be chromosomal, um, but often defined by our genitals. All right, when we're born, a doctor looks at our genitals and then we'll make a decision of whether we are a boy or a girl. That decision of being a boy or a girl is what we call the binary, right? There are only two choices there's boy or girl, and they're often on two ends of a spectrum, right? That's how we, how we set it up. That doesn't mean that that's real, but that's how we set it up and that's how we talk about it. And then when we talk about gender, gender are the, the roles, it's more complicated. They're the roles and behaviors and expectations that are assigned or de determined by a society and put on to different people, right? So if you are your genitals say you're a boy. These are all of the things that go along with being a boy and maleness. Your genitals say you're a girl. These are all of the things that go along with being a girl and femaleness, including the expectation of what you act like, what your favorite color is, how you dress, who you marry, who you love, the careers that you go in. And these, you know, fortunately they change over time um, if we are progressing but they're still set up in a real binary kind of way. And there are folks who are finding as they're um, discovering their identity and kind of just like we discovered our identity, our sexual orientation, which is who we love, right? Who we are sexually and romantically attracted to are the components that make up our sexual orientation. Um, our gender identity is who we feel like just internally, who we feel we are. What is our gender when we look inside? What is our internal sense of that gender? And if that matches up with the gender that and sex that are assigned to us at birth, we are, we are considered cisgender. When that doesn't match up, so cis means on the same side of, so it means the way that we were, um, the, the sex that we were assigned at birth and our gender and our gender identity are, maybe not our gender, but our gender identity are in alignment, right? Cis? Cis. Cisgender. C-I-S? C-I-S. C-I-S. Oh. When we, when the sex that we're assigned at birth doesn't line up with our internal sense of who we are and our gender, that is called transgender, right? Trans being on different sides of. So what we've been assigned and who we feel like we are, that intrinsic sense of who we are, aren't in alignment, right? And transgender can look a lot of different ways. They, transgender folks can be binary. So you can have transgender women and transgender men, but you also have folks who don't feel like those sense, that sense of maleness or femaleness applies to them the way that we have defined it. So that may mean I've got a mixed, some days I feel more male, some days I feel more female, some days I feel a combination of both. It may be on some spectrum and it may be somewhere completely outside of our concept of gender. And there are lots of terms that are used that people use to define that for themselves. Non-binary is a word that you may be hearing a lot. And that's what that means, sort of that you're not bound by that, those binaries of maleness and femaleness. But other people use words like gender queer, gender fluid, gender expansive. There are lots of different 
ways. Now, the point is not to come off of this call with a like a list and definitions of all of these things, but an understanding of the fact that the LGBTQ community, even though we say the LGBTQ community, is not a monolithic community. It is not a monolithic experience. And how people have the ability to define themselves, what their sexual orientation is, what their gender identity is, whether I use the label lesbian because I'm a woman who is attracted to other women, whether I use the word gay, same person, whether I use gay because I don't, don't really feel like lesbian feels right for me. Um, gay can be, can be, is used often as a general term. Men will use the word gay. Men who are sexually attracted to other men may use the, uh, often use the word gay, but women do too. And non-binary folks do too, right? But I can use that term or I can use the term queer, right? And queer is a tricky word. <laughs> so I'm going to caveat that because increasingly I've been using that word for myself. Um, just because lesbian feels, for some people it resonates. For me, it doesn't quite feel right. And for me, gay doesn't quite feel right either. Um, but queer is a term that has a challenging history. And so I will just say that. So you have to use it really carefully because Queer has been used as a slur. It has been used as a weapon against LGBTQ people. And it has been used to, um, to discriminate and, and just be really evil. Um, however, it has been reclaimed in many cases by people. And so the, the important thing here is that we have to have the power and the ability to own our labels, right? Oftentimes we are putting labels on other people. We are telling each other who we think you are, right? And in doing that, I am constricting and defining all of these things I think I know about you that may or may not be true. And in that instance, labels can be really harmful, but there is something that can be really powerful and transformative about labels when you get to define it for yourself. And when you get to choose the words, you get to choose the meanings of how you want to be identified and called. Um, somebody wrote in the chat, I feel like dyke is the same. Absolutely. Dyke is one of those words that has been used really in a really weaponized way against women who partner with women or folks who are more masculine of center, right? Like, so, so if we're thinking about um, female identified folks who may present more masculine and that how we present our gender the, the hairstyles we have, the, our mannerisms, the way we dress, that's called gender expression. That's how we choose to express how we feel like our gender. Now, the thing about gender expression is not the same as gender identity. It's not the same as sexual orientation, right? These are all distinct things that we get to define. So we have to be really careful when we see someone and say, hmm, she's presenting is more female. So I'm going to make an assumption that she's female. I'm going to make an assumption that she pronouns are the right pronouns to use. I'm going to make an assumption about, okay, I see her partner. So I'm going to make an assumption that since her partner is someone I perceive to be female as well, I'm going to assume that she's a lesbian. That's a lot of assuming in there, right? Without a lot of asking. So I think, you know, not to be, not like I'm saying that we should be invasive, but I say all of this to say, we make a lot of assumptions all the time when we come into this space. And we don't often leave room for people to make those decisions for themselves, make those declarations for themselves. So if you walk away from, with anything from this, it's how we give people the space to define themselves for themselves and then respect that by reflecting it back. So, you know, for someone who uses a term like dyke or queer, Loaded. I can say dyke or queer. Um, if you hear me say that, I'm like, okay, I know enough to know that this is a bit tricky. Are you comfortable? Do you want me to use the term dyke or queer when referring to you? Like, like that is a respectful thing to ask someone. Um, but don't assume that then you can then go around and be like, oh, well, my friend over here uses the word dyke. So the next person that I see who's a female and who partners with me, I'm going to use that term because that may not be the way that's going to land on someone else. And particularly older generations for whom these terms have been really hateful, it's really important to, um, to really recognize and give people the space and not make assumptions about what they're called. 
So I'm going to stop there because I could go on and on and I want to leave room for other stuff. This is great. You know, I, for the sake of, you know, this community, I'm, I'm so insanely grateful for, you know, the, the community that we, we put together, but as we keep on growing and, you know, for somebody who will be listening to this down the road on YouTube or podcast, there's something that I want to shed light on because, you know, for us gay people, like we, we know our journey. And I, I think we, because of that, um, there is less assumptions, but let's say, okay, somebody new comes to our community and they're a heterosexual, um, and, you know, they know that our community now has this reputation of, yes, there's a lot of gay people in our community, but not just that. Um, what if they have family members? Because I think that this is something that still happens very much in this day and age that, oh, if you're joining this community that has a lot of gay people in it, then you are now going to be gay. From your own life experience and from your, you know, education, can you just shed some light on that? Because I'm sure that this is either has already been a conflict for some people or will be down the line. There's is so much loaded into that. I yeah. feel like every question there's, it's so loaded. You're saying gay. I'm like, do we say gay or do we say LGBTQ? Like it is what it is. <laughs> I know. like the word gay personally. So, and yeah, so there's, there's that, and you know, it is going to be a struggle and it's not going to change overnight. Right. So I think the thing that's going to be important in term using the term gay for awareness, right. Gay is something that you are comfortable using as it refers, which is really great. Also, um, by gay, actually bisexual folks have actually been really rendered really invisible in how we often talk about our community because folks who are, um, so bisexual people are people who are emotionally or romantically sex or sexually attracted to people of more than one gender, not necessarily at the same time, not necessarily in the same way, and not necessarily to the same degree, right? So we also can't make, make too many assumptions. Here's, you're noticing a common thread, don't make assumptions, right? We can't make too many assumptions. So people who partner with folks of their same um, gender may not be gay or lesbian, right? Um, so they may be bi. And also trans folks, if they're trans binary folks can be straight, right? So if I am a trans woman who is attracted to men, I am straight based on my sexual orientation. So even as we think about our LGBTQ community, it is a mixture, that umbrella is actually a mixture of sexual orientation and gender identity. Right. So it's all it's all one big like cabal. But and we make assumptions that our experience is the same and our terminology is the same, but it's it's not. And so how do we think about making space for other folks? So for the purposes of this conversation, let's say that we know what you mean um, and then we'll and we'll figure it out along the way because the growth is a process. Right. But fun fact, most LGBTQ people come from heterosexual relationship, <laughs> at least heterosexual sex, right? Or in the case of more and more like um, reproductive therapies and assisted therapies, because, you know, I have to get that story all sewn up for Sydney when she starts asking. Um, but, <laughs> but like the idea that um, the idea that we become like our sexual orientation is influenced by association is challenging. And it is part of a fear tactic to try to keep people separated and fearful of each other, right? I would say if your sexual orientation is influenced by being around more people who are LGBT, like LGB identified, for example, for our sexual orientation, chances are it was kind of undefined to begin with right? People are not going to make you gay or, or, or straight. Like, so let's get rid of that notion. It is in us. You, nobody will turn you that. You may find other pathways. You may find other opportunities. You may find that you are open to things that you weren't aware of before, but that's not the same thing as someone turning you anything that was already in you. You just didn't have an opportunity to recognize it, to explore it, et cetera. So 
that's a big thing. And if you are coming to this community and are open and are concerned about what other folks have to say, like I would say this, as a queer identified, lesbian identified woman, I move through straight spaces all the time where I'm constantly making decisions. And I'm using I statements, not because these are unique to me, but just because I don't want to speak for anybody but myself. But I move through those spaces all the time where I am really uncomfortable and people are making assumptions and I'm having to navigate that space. There are not many spaces where LGBTQ folks are coming together and are in the majority and actually feel like they're comfortable and feeling. And so if you are straight identified, and you're coming into this space, one, fantastic. I love that. And this is an opportunity for you to learn and grow and perhaps be exposed to different people, different stories that you may not, if that is not sort of what your network and your universe looks like on a day-to-day basis. And there's also an incredible opportunity for you to be an ally to these folks by what you taking what you learn back to the folks who are still carrying these outdated or uninformed, ill-informed perceptions and helping them to learn and grow. Because we only know what we know. And when we know better, we do better, right? Um, That's Maya Angelou brilliance, but we have to learn it. And we have to learn it. And the best way to learn it is by being in community here, like being in community with each other. Because uh, and I can't remember who said this. I know Brene Brown quoted it, but I, can't, I don't know if she's the source or somebody else is the source, but it's really hard to hate people close up, right? If you know someone, if you get to know them, if you get to connect with our shared humanity, if you have, if you get to understand that, gosh, there are so many things that we have in common, um, then it's really hard to hate. And then you can start to question like all of this stuff that I've been taught about people. And why have I been taught that, right? And that's a really important thing. It's like, why have I been taught these things? And so I just think that the notion that we, that we have to get away from the things that keep us separate from each other and lean into the things that bring us closer together, the things that, that bring us to a place of better understanding and not understanding of the labels and the terminology, but understanding us as people. Because at the end of the day, for all of the labels, for all of the terminology, the only reason why those things matter is because those things have the ability to shape my ability to live my best life. That those things have the the opportunity to tell me those things are used to tell me that my family is or isn't valid, right? That the person who I love is or isn't valid. That my very existence, and this is a case for so many transgender people right now, their very existence is being challenged, that their very existence isn't valid, right? And how can we look at someone and connect with someone on a human level and see them and then say, you're not valid? And so that is the opportunity for folks to be in community with one another, to learn and see each other. It's not just for the knowledge. It's for the fact that when we see each other, we can support each other. We can lift each other up. We can commu- communicate and connect with each other. We can discover things in ourselves that doesn't necessarily need to be, oh, I just discovered that I actually think other women are attractive, but there are other things that we can discover in ourselves about, quite frankly, for straight folks, these gender roles, they're restrictive too, right? The notion that men are not encouraged to be in touch with their emotions that are not encouraged because that's not manly or masculine that's harmful. That's what leads to toxic masculinity, right? The, the, the idea that women can't be strong and powerful and in charge and have to somehow make themselves smaller in order to be womanly is harmful. And so all of this stuff is harmful to all of us, not just LGBTQ people. So that's to me where one, the benefit of coming into community spaces is. Um, and then two, the opportunity to take that learning back to networks that aren't in these spaces. There's so much in that. And I think that the major thing is to be able to connect. Like the reason that we have all these words and all these things is like, I want to have an understanding. So, you know, we need definitions. We need, you know, these, this terminology so that I can have an understanding because if I don't know you, I cannot connect with you. And so, you know, I, I, 
I think that a lot of people have come into our community because they have made an assumption of Sarit and I that they resonate with. They're gay, right? I'm okay with people making that assumption because I'm okay with me. I don't, I, I don't care. I kind of expect it, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, we're all trying to understand people that we see. So we walk down the street, you don't know somebody. And I'm going to go back a little bit to when we were talking about, you know, making an assumption about somebody, but you could ask a question rather than assume. But I think that, you know, our natural human reaction is to make an assumption so that we can try to understand. And if we don't understand then how can we have a conversation with somebody? So, you know, I think initially we're like, I'm going to assume if you, you know, if, if what I see visually looks like you are a female with female reproductive system. If you, you know, you have, um, you dress, you know, more feminine and you're with a girl and I see you guys kiss, I can make an assumption and I feel like it's, it's not an unfair assumption. Mm -hmm. However, you know, coming into a conversation with somebody new that you, um, are engaging in a very, your very first conversation or something, you know, how do you ask rather than assume without being offensive to somebody because let's say your assumption is wrong but you're asking a question to try to confirm something like what's the route that you take to be um, considerate of however the person identifies you know because I, I think assumptions are it's inevitable but we can confirm or deny by engaging in conversation and and, and um, with the intention to understand yeah. now how do you understand without being offensive, if maybe your assumption is, is wrong. So I think there are some things that we have to interrogate first in terms of what's fueling, our, what are we trying to understand and why? And sometimes what we're trying to do is appease curiosity, right? Like we may be curious about things that may or may not be appropriate for us to, to know about or to ask about. Um, the other thing is, I think what happens sometimes is the rushing, right? Like there's a rushing, like, okay, I see you, this is someone different and I need to know the things. I need to know all the things about the things so that I understand who you are, right? And the problem with that is it can get us to a place where folks can be invasive. They can be asked questions without knowing how some of that stuff will be received. Um, and so some of that is also just slowing down and saying like, how do we actually get to know each other? And what are the questions that we ask in the process of getting to know each other? that reveal things that we want to know instead of like sitting down and having an interview with someone and getting all of that stuff. Like it's a job interview. What does it mean to say, okay, I perceive you as female. I'm going to, you know, I have my pronouns in my um, label. That's part of our practice at my job is that we have pronouns and I will even in some instances, many instances, it's something that's a work in progress in terms of all of the places that I am, but say like, Hey, my name is Nicole. I use she, her pronouns. And so now, you know, I use she, her pronouns, right? So now, you know, that the pronouns you're using for me are the right pronouns. This is my wife, Stacy, right? Like there's so much we can glean from just really listening to each other. Right? So now I know you have a wife. Is it material in that moment, whether I know that you identify as lesbian, bisexual, queer? No, I know you have a wife. I know the significant person in your life is another woman. And then as we talk and get to know each other, I might discover, okay, yeah, you know, when I came out and I identified as bisexual initially, and then I realized that, that actually wasn't who I was, and I and and now I'm using this term. Like that will come in time, but sometimes we have to. We are in a society where we are so used to putting people in boxes and making assumptions, and the reality is, we are making assumptions about each other all the time. Sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not, and I think there's a difference between making assumptions about who someone is and actually a quest for trying to understand who they are. And if we're really trying to understand who somebody is, we really have to challenge those assumptions, whether they're correct or not, or whether we see ourselves reflected in that person, right? We may be very similar people, but I can guarantee that your experience of your LGB, like your LG, your gayness is different than my experience of it, right? Because not only am I a lesbian or queer woman, I'm also black. I'm also an immigrant. And that means that my experience is very different than your experience, right? How do I not, how do we not make assumptions about what we think each other's experience is now? Because I, I know this other piece of information. So I think if the quest is to get to know people, 
then we take the time to get to know people. And we find out the information that we need to find out to treat them with respect, to create spaces and openings and opportunities. And then we have to invest in relationship building and let some of the other stuff come. So what's important? I need to know your name. I need to know what pronouns I should use um, to call you by. And I, and then I invite you to share whatever you think I need to know about you right now. So tell me about yourself. Like even just say, tell me about yourself. Tell me what's important. Do you have a partner? Do you have a family? Like there's language that we can use that is open enough that invites people to share aspects of themselves that let them tell you who they are and let them tell you the pieces about them that they want that they want you to know at this point in time. And then you build on that. Man, I feel like Nicole, I could sit down and have coffee with you for like literally an entire day. And we can talk about so many things. Um, I want to do it. I want to see in the chat, like who's, who's loving this, like regardless of, you know, where you're at. This is why I love the rainbow because it is a spectrum. It's not like, I'm not blue. I'm not green. I'm not pink. Like there's literally every color from black to white in, in the whole spectrum. And it's like, you can't, how can you just put like, oh, you're right. You're right there. You're that color. And so I think that when you do get to know somebody, if you think about it, like, what do you ask? Like, Hey, my name's Aaron. You learn their name. And, and so, you know, in, in my mind, it's like, you might have these thoughts of like, you know, some uh, characteristics or identities or preferences about this individual. But really when you get to know somebody with a, an intention of getting to know somebody, um, you know, I know I wouldn't walk up to somebody and be like, hi, my name's Aaron. What's yours? And what do you prefer? What pronoun do you prefer? Like, you know, you know, it, it's not just like, bah. but you know, when you really want to get to know somebody, these are things that you find out as you ask questions about just who they are in general. Like, like you said, like, what are the things that are important to you? You know, what is your home life like, you know, what, you know, and then these things start to come out and when they do, then you can say, okay. And then ask an additional question on top of that. Hey, just want, you know, if you're okay with, if you're okay with talking about this, you know, I would love to just know a little bit more um, so that I'm respecting, you know, you as a person. Um, Absolutely. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, I know you have a busy day ahead of you, however, just so that we can all, you know, like as a community do our best to show up as our best self, you know, um, because this community is obviously going to keep on growing for us having a, a culture of inclusiveness is super important. So, you know, my last question to you is that in order for us as a community to become more inclusive of one another, um, you know, what is it that each and every one of us can do starting today in order to, you know, just start to be those um, beacons of light of inclusiveness for the other world, because I truly believe that this ENS army is going to change the world. There's no doubt about it, but like, what can we do to start today? Sorry, my phone's ringing in the background. So I was trying to avoid that. Um, <laughs> and also while you're waiting for your phone to ring, Jenna B wants to know when the books come. Oh, <laughs> uh, there are so many books and so many things out there. I'd, I'd love to, you know, I will, um, <laughs> I, I, I'll have to get back to you on that, Jenna, but I appreciate the sentiment. Um, so, you know, I think that the thing that we have to remember, um, oh gosh, there's so many things. Uh, one other thing I just want to say really quickly is when we are in spaces where we think, oh, well, why would I ask that question? Shouldn't I know that? That is a reflection of our own privilege, right? Like when, when the ways that we, when the world is set up where the assumptions apply to us and our lived experience, that is privilege. And so we have to always interrogate those places when we're like, why would I do that? Or why? Or if, if somebody asks your pronouns, and I would often, I would say, if you're going to ask someone their pronouns, I would share yours first so that you're not just asking that person for something. Because what often happens in that instance, it's like we ask people their pronouns when we don't know that we can figure them out instead of having it be a normalized part of our interaction. So I'm not going to assume that you know my pronouns. So I'm going to say, I'm Nicole and I use she, her pronouns. Okay. And now I'm going to ask, Hey, what's your name? And then if somebody doesn't use their pronouns, cause it's not natural for them, you'll be like, Oh, what pronouns do you use? Even if you think that you know what pronouns they use, ask them because there may be somebody else watching for whom that says, huh, that person's aware that person is like putting opening space for me 
And that is that person is not making assumptions about who I am or who other people are, which means I can I can step into that space and letting folks. And if somebody says, I'd rather not say, I'm like, okay, because people may be on different parts of their journey where naming their pronouns, they may not be ready for that. But I think the most important thing is how do we, how are we aware of ourselves, our privilege, and some of the assumptions that we're making, even to think about what was the earliest experience or what was the earliest memory I have about lesbian and gay people and trans people, because I think our memories are different around them. What were the messages that I got about them? How do I reflect on that? Is this Aaron and Sarit space the only place that I'm exposed to or in or connected to people? Where else do I have LGBTQ people in my life? And what does that mean? And just start to be more self-aware and notice when you're making assumptions, because it's one thing to go right to practice and say, what can I do? How can I behave? But that behavior is not meaningful unless it's anchored to something internal, unless it's anchored to your self-awareness and your understanding of why am I doing it? Because when you understand why you're doing it, it's just like the way we do the food, right? It's the way we do all of this. If you tell me what to eat and I eat the right things, does that mean that when you stop telling me what to eat or I'm in a situation where I have to make that decision for myself, that I am going to be equipped to make good choices? No. If I understand some of the foundations and the principles, if I understand where my motivations are coming from, if I understand what's fueling me, I can make decisions in all sorts of of instances. They may not always be perfect, but at least they're informed. And then even in the imperfection of that interaction, I'm gaining more information. So the next time I do it, I have a better chance. And so that internal, like understanding ourselves is a really, really critical piece of how we show up in this space. Because then we can show up in authenticity, in humility, and actually ready to receive what people are, are willing to share. It's like music. Yeah, it's really good. Nicole, Nicole Cozy or the symphony. You guys see, and that's, that's gendered language, but I can't get it out of my, I can't get it out of my mouth just yet. Yet. But I think it's yet. something that we all understand. It's like, you sure. got a group of people like amigos, friends, but it's a absolutely family, right. And in the giant scheme of things, if that's the most egregious thing I say, okay. Right. Like the, we focus on these little things And we do all like far more egregious stuff, but it's like, let me just focus on getting this out of my, right? So it is about choosing your battle sometime. And, and yes, the yet is really important. I love it. You know, I think that this conversation is super important for a lot of reasons, but, you know, truthfully, yes, though, I think that as a culture, we are the most informed we've ever been. We're also the most isolated we've ever been. And you just said it. And I think it's because people simply just focus, they get wrapped up on the granular details instead of looking at the big picture. And, you know, today you shed some light with regards to the big picture of, you know, like what, you know, is gender identity is all about so that we can understand one another better instead of judge one another. Because I feel like what's happening right now is that when somebody says something that, you know, could either be informed or uninformed or may mean something to them because people take things personally. They're like, oh, I can't believe they just said that. Like, you know, um, so thank you so much for for taking your time to educate us, to, you know, provide us some tools so that by the end of the day, truthfully, we can all not just be better, but also live a better life because I truly believe that the quality of our life is dependent on the quality of our relationships. So if we can create better conversations so that we can improve our relationships in our life, then man, now we're living a high quality life. Can I say one quick, quick little thing? Sorry, I I can't help myself. When someone responds in a way that feels like, oh, they're being offended or they're offended, instead of, you know, I think our first reaction is like, but I didn't mean it. And I didn't mean to do that. And this is right. And our focus is on ourselves. And instead, if we realize when somebody responds that way, that's coming from a place of pain and that's coming from a place that they have probably been hit time and time and time again, right? Like the moment, that moment or that interaction that you just had with them is not the only time. If it was, people probably wouldn't respond that way, right? When somebody responds in ways that you feel like doesn't match up with what you think the offense was chances are it's because they have been dealing with it and dealing with it and it's cumulative. 
So it's really important for us in those moments to take a moment to pause. And I know the natural thing is, but I didn't mean to and try to defend ourselves. Um, but instead, if the first thing we could do is try to understand how that landed on someone and where that response is coming from, and then figure out how to respond from our place, even if we didn't mean it, we can come up to them and say like, I am so sorry, I didn't know, and I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna do better, right? But that moment of taking the time to understand how it's landing on the other person, regardless of what we intended, is really critical. And if we're focused on relationship building, that's the thing that's gonna allow us to go a step further. Love that, love that. Amazing. Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time to educate us um, and to add so much value. They're trying to manifest in the chat a part two, three, and four. So, <laughs> <laughs> I acknowledge you guys. I see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so much. Like I said, you know, every time I catch you on Clubhouse on After Espresso or something, I'm like, Nicole saying something like what's like, I always feel like I have some kind of like other question or other something. I want to continue the conversation. So I know that. The, this is so valuable for every single person listening now and who will be listening um, later. So, you know, with that being said, you guys, I know that there's already a bunch of you who want to share this. So thank you in advance. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can just spread the word to help everybody be more aware and uh, seek to, to understand um, and, and do our best. Well, thank you so much. One, you know, that being on this journey with you all has been incredible and life-changing for me personally, um, but also to be able to share my gifts um, with this group is just a, a real gift back to me. And I just, I welcome the opportunity to have more conversations with folks where this is my mission, right? I know what your mission is. This is my mission is to, to bring people to a place of deeper understanding of themselves and each other so that we can actually all live our best lives. So thank you so much for that. So much alignment. Awesome. Is that it? Yeah, Nicole, okay. have an amazing weekend. We're going to be in touch on Voxer today. And for the rest of you guys, we hope that you have an amazing weekend as well. Do some amazing things. And here's to all of us being more inclusive and more understanding. Take care, you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Espresso with Erin and Suri. On your way out, be sure to check out our website, erinandsuri.com, to keep up to date with what we have going on and maybe grab some free stuff. And if you feel so inclined, hop on over to leave us a five-star review, wink, wink. And remember, life is more fun when you subscribe to Aaron and Sarit.